After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Mahalo, Evan. Today's guest is Rick Blangiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMB Channel 9. Rick started his career as an assistant football coach and eventually made his way into the broadcast media. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Rick Blangiardi. Welcome to our show, Rick. Thank you. Nice to see you, Carrie. Evan, nice to be here. So can you tell us about your path, how you started as an assistant coach, and then all of a sudden getting involved in television? Yeah, I guess if I was really good in coaching, I'd probably still be there. But, uh, no, actually, when I was, you know, fairly young, and, and the game of football really played a big part in, in my life and development, actually, quite frankly, the inspiration to go to college. I was first in my family and was able to go to school as a result of playing the game. What position were you? I was a linebacker. In high school, I was a, uh, a lineman. I was a offensive uh, and defensive tackle. When I got to college, I started standing up. You know, I went from a four-point to a two-point stance. Uh, played linebacker all through college. Um, anyway, I you know was really deeply influenced by the game. In fact, I, I used to say it was more than a game for me. It really, and so as a result, really wanted to get into the coaching business and and really thought that would be my career and actually spent all of my 20s coaching. I coached at the University of Connecticut before I came back home to Hawaii. Uh, and I say home, began really in 1965-66 when I played at the university, then went back east to graduate uh, because of some family circumstances. But um, because of my relationship with Coach Price, he invited me to come back out. And, and, and so I came back to Hawaii and, and, and was here for quite a while and really thought I was going to keep doing that. And we were having some real success with it and had some great years and, and privilege of coaching some great players and great moments, uh, both in the old stadium and opening up the new stadium. So what moved you to television? Well, my then wife was pregnant with my now firstborn. He's 28 years old. And uh, we weren't making very much money in those days. I'll be very honest with you. I was defensive coordinator, associate head coach, had a master's degree. We worked pretty much around the clock. It was never-ending and I was making around fifteen thousand six hundred dollars a year in those days, and after taxes, it was a lot less than that. And uh, the prospect of losing her income in, in those days, she taught for the DOE, um, and trying to do it, I, I just I was at a point in my life where I really really needed to make more money. So it was driven on that premise. And you went from an assistant coach to doing sales. Yeah. So how were those related, and what were the challenges of? Doing sales. Well, you know, I never really thought of myself as a salesperson, but I knew that if I ever transitioned into business, I'd have to think in terms of probably selling something. And honestly, television just seemed better than insurance or sporting goods. With all due respect to those two professions, I had known coaches that had done that and kind of ran back to coaching. And TV was just one of those things that they said, well, you know, you can sell sports. And I don't know, it just, it just was what was available at the time through a series of circumstances and uh, I didn't have to leave Hawaii and really quite honestly I didn't know what I was getting into I mean it just I know I had to deal with Larry Price in those days where 
you know, if we won, he did the interviews, and if we lost, I did them. So, you know, I got to know a few people at the TV station. Joe Moore in those days was at KGMB, and I knew the then general sales manager, a guy named Bob Fox, who ultimately hired me. And we were owned by C. Seftel in those days. So I really got fortunate. I sort of backed into a business that now, 29 years later, has been my career. So what was the transition like? You know, you're on the field, got the guy's got to listen to you, yeah, and then you go into a... Another situation where you're kind of the new guy on the block. It was really a huge transition. I mean, in retrospect, uh, first of all, the guy who hired me really kind of neglected to tell everybody I was coming. <laughs> and in those days, uh, KGMB was the dominant television station. It had the dominant sales staff. And it was like they didn't even have a desk or a cubby for me. I sat next to a telex machine. And I think everybody thought I was just the general sales manager's like crazy idea. I'd be there for a week and be gone or something. Um, only the circumstances of my life you know, didn't allow that to happen, albeit, I will tell you honestly, I seriously miss coaching a whole lot, and right away, uh, because I had such a strong identity with it, and you're absolutely right, I went from a Friday night of being the guy that was, you know, running the weight room, was a recruiting coordinator, you know, was doing all this stuff, and totally immersed with our players and fellow coaches, and just, you know, in that incredibly intense environment, to go into a different one where, you know, it was almost, people were different if I was even there, and and I kind of had to kind of reinvent myself and create a whole different identity. But you actually don't really need to reinvent yourself because in the position that you're in, it's almost like coaching. You got to recruit, you got to motivate, you have to console sometimes, right. you have to deal with issues, you have to think on your feet. Yeah, that's astute uh, observation because really what began to happen for me, but not right away, Evan, was I started to draw from, if you will, the transferable skills. I mean, you know, having sold a game plan, if you will, to our defense or even maybe, say, in a breakout position to the linebackers and how we'd stop a team was its own form of selling. Um, and, and same with recruiting as far as being able to meet people and engage people, get them to trust and like you. And along the lines of what you just said. So I, once I kind of got my head in the game, I started thinking about those very things. And clearly so much of who I was anyway and have really tried to still be has been rooted in the sense of team. And, and 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 being competitive, and the good news is that at least television afforded me an opportunity where every day seemed like game day instead of just you know eleven or twelve Saturdays a, a year, um, and it was real challenging. And at the same time, and really the driver was it was a lot more rewarding. And uh, I remember in those days, the, the general sales manager hired me. He said, "Well, you know, Rick, if you really work at this, maybe even half as hard as you work in coaching, maybe in about three years' time, you can make fifty thousand dollars a year." You know, and with a baby coming. And the possibility of that, that sounded like all the money in the world to me. And and honestly, I, I left coaching for almost the same money that I was making. Um, you know, uh, KGB paid me almost the same exact amount of money, but it was more about there was an upside if you could perform. But but I didn't get out of the blocks real fast, honestly. I, I spent a fair amount of time feeling sorry for myself in the beginning. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? 
Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Rick Langiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMB Channel 9. So, Rick, you know, the transition, I wanted to go back to that. You said it wasn't always easy for you at the beginning, but I kind of was thinking, like, the coaches locally, we kind of consider them celebrities. Even our athletes consider them celebrities. So why was it tough and... Did it eventually get easier because people recognized you, recognized your name? I never really thought about people recognizing my name. I had a fair amount of visibility, I guess, in those days. But, uh, I mean, I knew the people who were really behind the football program. It was mostly in that context. And, of course, some of those were also business owners. No, I, uh, it, it wasn't about being a celebrity. It was about being a young sales guy trying to learn a new business that was highly competitive in a situation where – as I said earlier, the station was dominant, so they had very strong people in there and, and, and accomplished in their careers and trying to learn all of that on the run, if you will, and try to stay up with them and so I could make a contribution and, and, not, and not fail at it. So it was more about that. I mean, my day-to-day was very different, you know, from the standpoint of what I used to do as an assistant football coach to what I was doing as a salesperson uh, selling television time. So you, did you ever feel kind of inferior in that position or some you know lack of confidence at all? Yeah, I think I felt uh, lack of confidence, inferior. I, I mean, you know, I, you clearly, you know, you kind of drop back and you say, okay, I'm at square one here. I mean, and they made it very clear I was at square one. I didn't walk in because I didn't know the business and inherit a big list, if you will. Or I, as I said, I didn't even have a desk. They sat me next to a telex machine. In fact, you... you you may be too young to remember telex machines, but it used to come on with this this noise, and I would pick up the phone and call my friends so they would think I was in the TV business because they could hear it in the background. I mean, that's the kind of thing it was. Um, it was just a lot of personal adjustment because I was so focused. It really is probably more of an inner thing. I was just so focused on trying to be a really great football coach that I hadn't really thought for very long prior to making the decision about getting out of coaching. It came out as a result of of the baby coming and the financial need. So looking back now, do you regret leaving coaching at all? Well, I've always loved the game, and and there are times I, I wonder, you know, what might have happened. I've had a lot of friends who've stayed in the game have done quite well for themselves. You know, and, you know, when you love a game like that and it's such a part of your life, you know, and you had the benefit, as I did, of being exposed to it in a really nice way, uh, yeah, you missed that, but I've had no regrets about getting into television. Television's been an extraordinary career for me. It's allowed me to grow and learn and meet all kinds of wonderful people, work with people. I've been in a lot of interesting settings, very challenging, and so many different ways it brought out the best in me, and, and, I was, and I've tried to do the best I could for my family, which was really the genesis of this whole thing because I now have three children, um, and along the way, uh, you know, as anybody would know who's listening, it's not easy to raise kids today, schools and everything else that comes along. At least I felt like I covered that base. So if you take a look back when you were making that transition, what are some of the lessons that you learned during that time where you were kind of unsure of yourself that you've been able to use today that can maybe help others as they're listening? Well, I think you know you have to really you know be honest with yourself at all times, and you have to... Uh, you know, you have to be willing to make the effort. You know, I think, as I said a couple of times here, and if I'm surprised I've said it out loud, uh, you know, feeling sort of sorry for myself. I mean, I didn't have the focus necessary. I, and, I, and when I did 
finally come around to accepting the reality of the situation I was in and began to get focused, that's when things began to make a difference. So I would tell you that, uh, as I've always learned and always told people, I mean, if you're going to go into something, you have to show commitment. You have to be committed. It's not an almost kind of thing. Um, and and then you try to do the very best you can. I mean, and, and then, you know, everybody has different levels of abilities. Uh, and it just, you know, hopefully you'd be a little bit lucky too. But it was a lot about getting really focused, not so much a singular, you know, purpose, if you will, but really committed to making that work. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Rick Blangiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMV Channel 9, Hawaii's Severe Weather Station. So, Rick, what similarities have you found with coaching and also running the television station? Lots. Um, you know, I think I was very fortunate in that regard, especially as I evolved. Once I got beyond, you know, being a seller, if you will, and got into the management, which took me a couple of years, uh, as I said a few moments ago, a lot of who I am has been rooted in team, but clearly... You know, television is a team sport, um, albeit, you know, uh, there are probably more women in the business than, than men. And so, obviously, I had to learn to work with more women than, obviously, I was coaching as a, as a football coach. So, but that's been even more intriguing. And, and women today are, are every bit as, you know, oriented towards team sports and, and certainly competitive. They've always been competitive and given the opportunity. So that, for me, has been a lot of fun. Uh, of learning how to deal with both men and women in a team sport, if you will, that you know you people drive themselves. So I, 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 there's just a lot of of things, you know. I mean, clearly we don't have you know a pregame talk per se, and go out and listen to the Star Spangled Band and run out and hit people, even though I've thought that that sometimes might work, you know. Um, you know, we've come close. I would tell you, a few people would tell you, we've had some of the things close to, I guess, a pregame talk on certain occasions when the situation warranted. But it's been mostly about really uh, a helping relationship and, and, and looking at myself as somebody who was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to lead, to try to, um, you know, really be a facilitator, you know. And, and when you have the responsibility to create a work environment, to try to do that with the understanding that you're there to serve. You know, servant, I'm really strong believer in servant leadership, being a facilitator. I require that of my managers. We talk a lot, you know, about excellence. That's not a bottom-up kind of a deal. You know, it really, if people, if you're going to try to inspire performance, you really, you've got to have good coaches. You have to have really good men, people who inspire other people. And then, you know, the one thing about being in the medium is that for years now, and as I get older, it's even truer, you know, a lot of young people. And, you know, I like to look at that and, and think that, well, most people still have their best in front of them. 
and that they really, you know, if you've done well in your hiring process and they're good people, that they really want to achieve that and get in touch with their own potential. So you try to create the environment that will allow that to become a reality. And you challenge them and you do things to help them with that. And that for me has been, you know, probably no different than going out in the corner of a field with a bunch of linebackers and, you know, going through drills, you know, for for foot and hand speed or tackling drills or the kinds of things we would do in the mechanics of playing the game or breaking down a film, you know, and, and, you know, the strategic aspects to drawing a lot of parallels to the same thing. It's just that we might deal more with writing and communication skills and presentation skills and, and, you know, and how to get appointments with people or how to close deals. I mean, you know, it's just a lot of skills. I, I tend to be, and maybe the best parallel is that from a coaching perspective, I really tend to be a real pragmatic kind of person, try to give people the how-to as opposed to a lot of the rah-rah, which I know some people think, you know, I on occasion will get a little rah-rah, but I like to do that in a way where you're acknowledging people and their success and making it fun. So what do you think is the most important in getting people to be loyal? Because it seems like a lot of the people that work with you that I've talked to are extremely loyal. Thank you for saying that. I mean, loyalty is a big issue in this world, and and, and it's not anything that I, I take as being a little bit casual about. You know, um, that when you create that kind of psychology in a work environment and people, you know, feel that, you know, as part of the glue that holds the team together, it's it's an important thing. And I think a lot of that stems from being very focused on the people, you know, we don't, you know, I've run some pretty large organizations over the years, but, you know, television stations tend to be fairly intimate settings, especially back here in Hawaii. And even though I had the responsibility of both stations, it was only a couple hundred people all told, which is a lot, don't get me wrong, but it's not like we we're General Motors. And, you know, so you really try to understand two or one, each and every one that's in your, your station or on your team and... I would tell you that I think one of the real fundamental things is, you know, Warren Bennis, who you're probably familiar with, has written and been quoted a lot of times on a lot of things. But I've always loved, early on, a long time ago, the distinction he made between management and leadership, you know, that managers do things right and leaders, you know, do the right thing and have the courage to do the right thing. I think it's that more than anything. I think it's always trying to understand what the right thing to do at the time and irrespective of whether it was a budget issue or maybe even a whatever, do the right thing by the individual and do so consistently. And people see that in you and you know that you're always going to come down. If you're on my team, I'm going to take care of you. And they know that. And I think that that really fosters that kind of loyalty. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Feeling fine, we're staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. 
Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. If you're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Rick Blangiardi, Senior Vice President and General Manager of KGMB Channel 9. And it's interesting that you mentioned that comment on doing the right things or doing what's right. Because I know, especially recently, you've gone through you know some trying times. And, and it always seems to be doing the right thing. What's right is hard. Yeah. Much harder than, you know... Doing the other, and later on, you you, see, you can take a look back and say, "Well, I, you know that was right." But you know, how do you get the internal fortitude to be able to do that? Well, that's why I actually I think after I said what I said a few weeks ago, I said about having the courage to do the right thing. It really is about about that. And you're right, Evan. I mean, a lot of times when that situation presents itself, look what happened to KHOA, and we could have turned our backs on everyone and said, "Well, look, it's our job, so you know we're going to just have to do what these new owners want to do." the end of the day, aside from how offensive I found that to be, given given their premise, um, it was just, it was the antithesis of the right thing. It was the wrong thing to do. And I didn't want to be forced to do the wrong thing under any circumstance. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's about values and principles and, you know, the old line about, you know, character and is, is that what you kind of do when nobody's watching, you know? And, 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 and so... You know, clearly, along with my thoughts and the challenge that was there, knowing that we worked so hard for the last three and a half years to kind of bring the stations back and, and the teams that we built and the performance that we were experiencing together and just it was, you know, to get the morale and everything else all teed up in the right place where I really believed deep in my heart that we were making a difference and making a really solid contribution to the people of the state of Hawaii and, and that we were also very committed to that. And and people were really enjoying it as they should, you know. Um, and all of that great stuff, I, at the end of the day, you know, was unable to convince this ownership to do things differently based on what they came in and said they wanted to do from day one. And at the end of it, it really boiled down to my inability to prevent them and my being left to say, well, then if you're going to do that, no matter what I say, then it starts with me. And I wasn't looking... To be a hero, I wasn't looking to leave KHON two. I, you know, I didn't want to do that. But somebody once told me, in fact, it was Larry Price, and I'm paraphrasing. And again, it may seem like a cliche because I've read this somewhere. And I'm, but he said, you know, the purpose of all education, the reason why we we get smart, if you will, is to do the things that we have to do at the time that we have to do them, whether or not we want to do them. And this this brought a, brought me to that crossroads. I knew what I had to do, even though I didn't want to do it. And then it's just a question of having the courage to do so. And I must tell you, it wasn't about me. And I really, before I left, I talked to all of my managers and a lot of excellent people there who were really good broadcasters and good leaders who really deserved to be in that building, who had paid their dues, who had families to feed and a lot of other issues, you know, and and to stay that, you know, um, and that maybe, just maybe my leaving might do, I had no idea, nor would I ever indulge myself, that eight of the nine department heads would leave the next week. I just never, never thought that, you know, they would, because I was going, it, 
and it didn't go because I went. And I was proud of them for saying it. They went because we had created a shared belief system on how we operated, how we led the men and women who worked in those te- in that television station at KHON and what we were doing collectively as broadcasters and what our commitment was. And, you know, for me, it was an incredible validation of, of just how much we were sharing together and why the performance was as good. So, yes, it was sad. It was really unnecessary. It was tragic. It should not have happened in this town, for this state. It was wrong, and I'll say that forever, and I don't care what the corporate repercussions might be. But at the end of the day, you know, it ended in a way that I could not have been any prouder of the men and women who made the decision to say, you know, I won't do that either. I think that answers why people are loyal. You know, another thing I'm trying to figure out is how are you managing your time? Because as we're looking at the bio, I mean, there's a ton of nonprofit boards. There's for-profit boards. There, you were running two stations at one time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, how do, how do you keep it all together? Well, <laughs> thank you. For, well, you know, it's been hard. I'll be honest with you. The two stations, as challenging as it was, I always felt guilty because there was never enough time in the day. You know, and I could go to KGMB at 730 in the morning and be there till like noon or 1 o'clock and then leave, and everybody go, like, where are you going? It's like the half day, and then walk in a cage, and they've been like, where have you been all day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and well, that was hard in itself, created its own angst. But, you know, learn to balance that. And the days were longer, obviously, because of the nature of television. The boards were really, I, I, I determined that I was going to limit it to three boards when I came home, and if possible, a corporate board, because I felt I'd grown up enough to be on one. And um, and so I was careful to, to see, I mean, I inherited the food bank because it was the legacy of KGMB9, and it does such an incredible job of feeding Hawaii's needy and, you know, at all, all levels of people. And it's really a privilege, and we, I think the food bank does a wonderful job. I was fortunate enough to be asked to be on the Chamber of Commerce, and I felt if I'm going to be about the business of business and the business of change, that I ought to maybe perhaps be in a place where I'm certainly aware and alert and being taught and, and maybe making a contribution about what's happening in, you know, commerce in Hawaii. You know, without uh, sliding any, anyone or anything, the Aloha Council of Boy Scouts is one of those things you just don't say no to, you know. I mean, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity to help young people at any level uh, if you can help, and, and trying to use the power of the television stations was great. And um, you know, I know you said the Honolulu Boy Choir. I haven't been all that involved with that. I tried to help them what little I could. I think that's going through its own growth process. But clearly being on the, the board at CPB was a, a big opportunity. You know, at what point of your career were you able to get involved in these nonprofit organizations and trying to still have the eye to move up in the organization? Well, when I was a lot younger and I, and I had different responsibilities, I was probably involved with one. You know, Boys and Girls Club of Hawaii, uh, Board of Multiple Sclerosis. As you get older and you're into more senior management positions and also wanting to extend the potential benefit, if you will, of the television station and its resources, its news division and other things that we can do with the power of the medium to those other boards, it's part of what you give back. And this part of my life, so much of what I've been about has been trying to to give back, to come home to Hawaii now and, and really make a contribution and do something that would be worthwhile. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.